Well, good morning, church. How are you this morning? We good? Are we awake? Right, I was like, I was expecting a lot more than that. I'm sorry. I was like, <laughs> good morning. Good morning. Thanks for joining us here in person and online. We are so glad you're here uh, with us uh, and excited to, to be here. Uh, I'm Pastor Corby, as uh, Daniel and Gina both said, and, and uh, I've been praying and processing uh, this week uh, to come and share with you, and, and I'm honored to, to do that. We are continuing a series we've been calling I Am, and, and it's really this look at the seven I Am statements that Jesus made throughout his life and ministry. And we've been through five of them, and today is the sixth one, and, and we've journeyed through. And really the, the goal and the desire for this series is that if, if we were asked, if Jesus asked us, who do you say I am, we would be able to respond and say, well, you are Jesus the bread of life. You are the light. You are my good shepherd. You are the door. Uh, and so Jesus is declaring these statements and his, his truth for us to live and live by and learn. And this morning, we want to spend some time looking at this idea of Jesus is the way, the only way. And, and the passage we're going to be getting to uh, later on this morning is, is really this idea that Jesus is, is saying, hey, I'm going to go and prepare this place for you, and, 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 I'm, uh, and there's confusion, and, and the disciples maybe are unsure, and Jesus is like, okay, I'm, I'm the way to it. And as we think and process and, 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 and ponder, okay, this place that Jesus is preparing for us, me, me, we as followers of Jesus, if we believe that Jesus is our Lord and Savior, we believe that he has died on a cross for our sins, we now have this craving, this yearning to be in that place, right, that he has prepared for us and, and in that place in heaven where, where we can be with God. And as I was thinking about this longing for this future home that we have, uh, I was reminded of a, a time when, where I had this uh, longing just to be at home, right? So uh, back in 2016, Jen and I, we were uh, in the process of uh, adopting Jack from Ukraine, and we found ourselves in Ukraine. I think it was probably the second trip we were there. Uh, and, and if you've been in the adoption process, process internationally, you kind of probably can relate to what I'm feeling right now. Uh, we were in Ukraine and the trip got extended longer than we were expecting because you know how it is, it's paperwork and things go wrong and there's just a lot of things to go through. And so we were there and uh, of course for Ukraine, they don't speak English and the, the menus are in a different language and, and there's, we, you find yourself in this place like, man, I just, I just want to be at home. I just, I just want to be back on my own bed. I want to be at, uh, in my take a shower that is, has hot water. I want to uh, take, uh, just be comfortable uh, at home uh, where everything is kind of what it's supposed to be. But in that same moment, in that longing to be back home, there's all the, also this realization that the work isn't done yet in Ukraine. And so we uh, had to lean in and press on and continue to do the work in Ukraine in order that a year and a half or so later, we were able to bring Jack home and, and he could be with us here. And so we, I think about this and I think about this longing to be home, right? I, as a, a believer, this home, this earthly home is not my eternal home and I have this longing to, to be with Jesus. I've no, I know he's prepared a place for me. I know he's gone ahead. One day he's going to come back. He's going to return. He's going to take us with him. And, and we get to spend eternity in heaven. 
just like in an earthly way, we went home and prepared a place for Jack to, to he, it would be ready for him. Jesus is preparing something even better. So there's this longing to be at home with God. Yet I also understand that my call is to do work here. My work here is not done yet. There's people who don't know the way and we are called to show people the way, the truth, and the life. And so this morning we want to unpack what this means when Jesus says, I am the way. Before we get into the passage of scripture this morning, would you join with me as I just kind of surrender this time over to God in prayer. God, thank you so much for the opportunity to gather here uh, and hear your word. Holy Spirit, move through this church, these individuals. May we have a desire to show others the way. God, I recognize that we, we, as, we as humans have this longing to be at a better place. And may we recognize where that is and who that's with and, and how to get there. Holy Spirit, take this service. I surrender it to you and ask that, that Jesus would increase through the process. We pray these things in the precious name of Jesus. Amen. Before we jump into John chapter 14, if you have your Bibles, you can turn there a while. I want to spend a little bit of time just looking at the context, looking at where, what we're dealing with and, and what Jesus is saying, who he's talking to. And so in, the, in John 13, the chapter just ahead, we see Jesus and his disciples gathering uh, for the, the Passover meal, the, the final supper, Jesus' last meal with his closest friends. We know that it's 24 or so hours before he's betrayed and crucified and that all goes down. And so we find Jesus sitting at a table, this very intimate moment with his closest friends, having conversations, talking about life, talking about what he's going to do for them and all these things. And I imagine that the disciples maybe are a little bit unnerved or a little anxious about what Jesus is talking about. We see in John chapter 13, Jesus gets up from the table and takes the towel and wraps it around his waist and, and the water, a basin of water, and, and he washes the disciples' feet as an example of worship or example of sacrifice and service for others. And he says, go and serve others in this way. A few moments later, we see this interaction with Judas and Jesus and essentially what I, I envision is Jesus saying, okay, you're out. Go do what you're gonna do. It's almost like G Judas is getting kicked out of the group. That might be what the other disciples thought. Like, why does Judas have to leave now? What is, what, what's the purpose of him going? They're a little confused. What does Judas have to do that he can't stay and continue this meal with us? The end of chapter 13, we see Peter and Jesus having a conversation. Again, this is all around the table, all everyone listening in and and, and, and there's this closeness that's happening. And Jesus, uh, Peter says, I'm gonna go where you go, Jesus. I'm gonna, I'll, I'll die with you or in, in the process. And Jesus calls him out and is like, actually, no, Peter, you're not going to do that. You're gonna actually deny me three times before the rooster crows. 
I have to think that at this point in the, di- the dinner, at the, this meal with the, the disciples and Jesus, that, man, they're, they're confused. Their heads are spinning. They maybe are anxious. They maybe are a little bit fearful about what's going to happen next. Who's Jesus, who is Jesus going to call out next? You see, the last three and a half years, this tight-knit group of guys have spent day and night together. They've done ministry together. And all of a sudden, I imagine it might feel like things are falling apart. These men had left their families, they left their careers, and they went all in with Jesus. They, they had envisioned a Jesus, they, they believed him to be the Messiah, but they thought that he, was, he had come to take over the Roman government and reign as king on earth, and, and Jesus, we know, had a different plan. And so now as, they, as Jesus discuss, talks to them about going to another place and, and being killed and, and there's this unsettled feeling that had to be setting in to, the, to these guys that were with him. They had been alongside of Jesus and now what seemed to be their plans were crumbling apart and they didn't understand. That brings us to John 14 verse 1 where Jesus says these words and I think in an attempt to kind of bring them back in and to calm them from this unnerving sense that they might have. Let not your hearts be troubled. Jesus maybe recognizes in that moment that his friends, his closest friends have this kind of deer in the headlights look like what is about to happen? What is going to go on over the next few days We don't understand Jesus. We're anxious. We're scared. Help us understand. And Jesus, with his calming presence and his understanding of knowing what the future holds, is, okay, don't let your hearts be troubled. Believe in God. Believe also in me. This statement that Jesus says at the end of Verse one, this believing God, believe also in me, reiterates the statement that he had made before. John 12, he states this. Jesus cried out and said, whoever believes in me, believes not in me, but in him who sent me. And whoever sees me, sees him who sent me. I have come into this world as light so that whoever believes in me may not remain in darkness I get the sense that Jesus is saying to his friends, guys, listen, you believe in me? Well, then you believe in God also. You believe in God? Well, you believe in me. We're one and the same. We're the same person. So when you believe that God in God, you believe in me. When you believe in me, you believe in God. After saying these words to, to kind of bring some calm and peace to, to the guys, he continues to Talk about what his plans are, what he's going to do next. John 14, verses 2 to 4 says this. In my Father's house are many rooms. If it were not so, would I have told you that I go to prepare a place for you? And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and will take you to myself, that where I am you may be also. And you know the way to where I am going. Jesus is saying, I'm going, I'm going to go and prepare a place for you. It's, 
it's going to be a better place and you, based upon what we've done over the last few years, you should know the way and where I'm going. As I was reading this passage many times over the course of studying the last week and a half or so, uh, I was also listening to uh, a Spotify playlist called Old School Youth Group Songs, something like that. You can find it. And I came across a song that's popped up and it's an audio adrenaline song and I was like, wow, that fits pretty well. Who knows what I'm talking about? Audio adrenaline? Yeah. Big house. Let's play a clip. I, I was going to sing it, but I thought that might not be a good option. So let's just play it. If you know it, you feel free to sing along. All right, who doesn't want to be there? Brian, were you singing along? Yeah, you're right. The big, big house, the big yard. There's lots of food. There's, there's just, it's just, I can imagine what that's like, right? Audio adrenaline captures this, this passage really well, I believe, in that, that song. So Jesus is like, I'm going to prepare this place. It's going to be better than you imagine, and you know the way. Jesus I'm go- says, I'm going. His statement about going and preparing place is followed by a, a, a question from Thomas. Thomas, who is often known as Doubting Thomas, is the one who I believe uh, raises uh, questions that maybe it's based out of uh, just wanting to know more. Maybe, he's, maybe Thomas is asking questions for clarity because he's like, wait, I just, I'm not quite getting it yet, Jesus. Explain it to me. Give me a little more clear understanding about where you're going. And so Thomas raises the question, and I think, and imagine them sitting around his table. There's authenticity. There's a realness happening, happening here. And Thomas feels comfortable enough to raise the question, like, wait, God, wait, Jesus. I don't understand. So he says this, Lord, we don't know where you're going. How can we know the way? Jesus, we don't know. How can we know the way? Give us a, a GPS coordinates. Give us a location. Give us something I don't understand. And if you don't give us the exact location, how are we going to know how to get there? Jesus' response to Thomas really is a, a response that sums up many of his teachings over, the, over his ministry and, and really many, several of the I am statements that he has said about himself. John 14, verse 6, just a First half, Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. I am the way, the truth, and the life. You want to know how to get there? It's me. Jesus is the way. It's Jesus alone provides access to God. Jesus alone is the way. We talked about this a few weeks ago and when Bryce was talking about the door and, and the gate, Jesus is the door. He's the gate to the sheepfold. He's the way in. Jesus is saying, I am the path to reconciliation with God. There's no other way except through me. Acts four twelve reiterates this idea that Jesus is the way and saying this, and there is salvation in no one else. For there is no other name under the heaven given among men by which we must be saved. 
You want to know where I'm going, how to get there? Well, I'm the way, Jesus is saying. He doesn't just stop there. He goes on and says, I'm the way, I am the truth. I believe what Jesus is saying when he says, I am the truth, he's saying that he is a truth that fulfills all Old Testament teachings and it reveals the true God. Jesus reveals the true God. If you're looking for truth, if you're looking to know truth, look to Jesus. His life will illuminate the true God. John 1 verses 14 through 17 says this, and in the word became flesh and dwelt among us and we have seen his glory, glory as of the only son from the father, full of grace and truth. The word Jesus became flesh, dwelt among us and it was full of grace and truth. Son of God brought glory to us. Jesus is the way He is the truth. He is the life. In saying, I am the life, Jesus fulfills this promise that I am life given through God, by God. We discussed this last week when Bryce shared uh, of the passage in John 11 where Jesus says, I am the resurrection and the life. It's in Jesus himself that we have eternal life that we can gain eternal life. It is believing in him that we have life. There's no other way. In Jesus, we find regeneration, we find new life, we find resurrection. John 1, 1 to 5 says this, in the beginning was the word, the word was with God, and the word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through him, and without him was not anything made that was made. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. Jesus is life. I was reading in a commentary this week as I was studying this passage of Jesus being the way, the truth, and the life. And this sentence was stated and I thought it captures really well what this verse says. The commentary said, Jesus embodies the way to God, the truth about God, and life in God. Jesus embodies all of this. The way to God, truth about God, and life in God. Jesus doesn't stop here, though, because verse six, verse 6 continues. So he begins, I am the way, the truth, and the life. Then he goes on and declares a bold statement, something that probably offends a lot of people in today's society. It declares this exclusivity of God and this one-way idea where he says, no one comes to the Father except through me. I'm not only the way, the truth, or the life, but you're not getting to where I'm going except through Jesus, except through me. This is a bold statement and, and it, it reiterates what John three eighteen says, whoever believes in him, Jesus, is not condemned, but whoever does not believe is already condemned because he has not believed in the name of the only son, God. 
This idea of Jesus being the only way goes against so many other religions, so many other beliefs that we are faced with in life. It's counterculture to say Jesus is the only way. There's this thinking that is called moralistic therapeutic deism. And I understand there are three big words and I don't usually use big words, but this captures this idea of, uh, of what, it, what so many people believe right now. It's this idea that God is this cosmic therapist. He's, he's a divine butler up in the sky. He's, he's ready to help if needed, but we don't really need him because we are good. I, I'm, I'm good enough. I'm happy. I can keep God at a distance if, if this supreme being, whoever it is that's up there. But as long as I do all the good things, as long as I stack up all my good works and my, my goodness, I'm good. I'm gonna get there. This flies in the face of what the gospel is though. Because the gospel says that Jesus is the only way. Jesus accomplished all of the, the, the debts that need to be paid, all the, the things that need to be, to, be, to be paid for through his life, death, and resurrection. Everything, only way is to God is through Jesus. Everything that God requires of us has been paid through Jesus. We can't do enough good things to get to heaven. Being Good enough is not good enough. Jesus addresses this idea of, of living a good life in his conversation with the rich young ruler in Mark, Mark 10, verses 17 to 22. And, and he says this, this, this young man comes to, to Jesus and he says, good teacher, what must I do to inherit the eternal life? And Jesus said to him, why do you call me good? No one is good except God alone. You know the commandments, do not murder, do not commit adultery, do not steal, do not bear false witness. And he lists off all the, the commandments. And the young man says, I've, I've kept all those things since, I'm, since I was young, since my youth. And Jesus said, looking at him, well done, good job. You lack one thing. Saw all those things and follow me. Jesus called out the fact that this, this man was missing the first commandment. Love God, put no other, nothing over him, have no idols. He thought he could be good enough to get eternal life. He didn't need God. Jesus is saying it won't be, this won't get you to heaven. This following all the rules and being good enough is not gonna be, is not the way. You need to believe in him to be saved. The only way is by following him. See all the, so many other religions and so many uh, ideas about uh, about life right now is be good enough, do good, we're good, I'm happy, we're getting in. It's a lie. Don't fall for it. Jesus says you will never be good enough, no matter what you do. But if you believe in me, if you believe that I am the way, I've already paid the debt in full. Believe in me and be saved. Believe in me and you will have eternal life. That longing for the future home, I've got it. I've got it covered. I've got a place for you. Just believe in me. I'm going to prepare that place for you in heaven. I am the way, the truth, and the life. 
No one comes to the Father except through me. Jesus declares this. He, he puts it right out there to his disciples and for us to understand, like, there's no other way. That longing for the future home, that to be with God in heaven is only fulfilled by following the one way. That's Jesus. For, for many of us in this room, we, we believe that Jesus has died on the cross. We, we put our faith and trust in him and now the call is to, to follow him, right? Go and, and be his hands and feet because there's many people in this world who have not yet understood that way. And so my challenge this morning is that we as a church would, would recognize that we, yes, have a longing to be home in heaven, but you also have to recognize that our work here is not done yet. And so once we put our faith and trust in Jesus, we follow him and we're all in with Jesus, we're gonna go out and we're gonna share what it means to follow Jesus with those around us in our workplaces, in our schools, in our communities. We know the way. We have the GPS coordinates. And let's go out and share it with those who have not yet received it. If you're here this morning and, and you haven't put your faith in Jesus yet, I, I, I ask, I, I beg you to recognize that you can never be good enough. You need Jesus. He is the only way. Would you join with me as I pray? Jesus, thank you for being the way. God, I surrender my, uh, myself, I surrender to you the fact that it's easy to get caught up in this idea that I can just be good enough. There's something so simple about just believing in you that we sometimes make it more difficult by saying, well, it can't be that easy. But Jesus, I'm so thankful that it is that easy. I believe in you and I have life. Holy Spirit, I pray that you would move in this room. If there's anyone has not yet put their faith and hope in you, that they would cry out to you and say, Jesus, I believe. Holy Spirit, empower us as a church to go into the world and be your hands and feet and show others the way, the truth, and the life. In Jesus' precious name, amen.